Section 44 of Anecdotes of Big Cats and Other Beasts. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nancy Cochran Gergen, Gilbert, Arizona. Anecdotes of Big Cats and Other Beasts by David Alec Wilson. Section 44. Exit the Hunter. Part 4. The Happy Hunter. The happiest huntsman I ever heard of was a fat little Frenchman who was a guest in a shooting box in the highlands of Scotland. His host was some ex-royalty, and one morning the whole crowd were going to stalk the deer, except our hero, who stood watching their departure as cheerily as he could. Take a gun and potter about yourself near the house, was the parting shout to him, and after a little, finding time begin to drag, he remembered the kindly men advice, and shouldered a gun and went off alone. At dinner-time he could hardly contain himself till the others had finished telling their doings, and when at last his hints had made them curious, and they asked what sport he had had, he cried, Ah, my friends, smaller, but better than yours, just over the top of the first hillock, petite colline, on the edge of the moor, I met a glorious herd of Scottish chamois, magnificent wild sheep, mouton sauvage, and killed half a dozen of them before they escaped. They must have watched you all go to a distance and felt safe. I completely surprised them. It was only the conventions of sport that made the fat little man ridiculous. The deer were no more wild animals than the sheep. If the deer stalkers were real hunters, so was he. In danger and in joy, they were the same. They tell me that this story is well known in London. That was to be expected. It was too good not to tell. But I heard it in 1894, in the north, from a parish clergyman of superior character, who located it in ground adjacent to his parish. It is impossible that he lied. There is barely one chance in ten that he was misinformed. So, if the French lord concerned convinces me that he desires such immortality, as the mention of his name would give, then his name shall be mentioned, with perhaps a few more particulars. The probabilities seem to me about ten to one that this story is true. After all, a statement is not necessarily false, because it is known in London. The pleasure of fighting big cats any brave man can feel. But wherein lies the joy of being what Lord Chesterfield despised? A poulterer? Or of butchering the deer? Why do we not all feel as kind-hearted Plutarch did that, when men are a play, the beasts that help in the fun should have a share of it? Why is there joy in dealing out death? God knows. I have felt it myself, but a man cannot really analyze his feelings. He can only pretend to do that. At times, not always, of course, but often enough, our feelings are as mysterious as the stars, which we can watch and photograph but never explain. So, when I say God knows, I mean that there doubtless are in nature, which is another name for the mystery of the universe, abundant reasons far beyond my sounding. And I do know a partial explanation, a kind of clue, which our mealy-mouthed manners make me hesitate to mention. Yet, after all, truth needs no fine excuses, and the sentiments of the natural man need no apology. There is a genuine joy in killing. Nobody needs to be ashamed of it, any more than of sneezing. It is born in us all, 
and to a mind undeveloped, unable to imagine itself in the place of another, cruelty is a pure pleasure, the lively sensations of it not being spoiled by pity. That was how the inquisitors enjoyed themselves, and executions were always popular. A man likes killing as naturally as he likes sugar. Clear your minds of Kent, as Dr. Johnson advised, and it is easy to see in that the true attraction of hunting. How great and genuine a joy it is. I never realized till once I watched a lady crunching a praying mantis under a paperweight and gloating over its sufferings, just as a cousin of hers, a famous hunter, loved to dwell on his more gory glories. She was sipping a liqueur she liked a minute later, with the same beatific expression of happiness. The good old salt, Frank Bullen, has lately been lamenting the new and unromantic ways of whaling, when the whales are chased by steamers and the harpoons driven home by gunpowder, and the whales quickly finished by bombs. Indeed, there is no blinking the fact that the fun is out of the business. A man should think himself a fool if he goes on fancying that there is danger or romance when there is none. The whaler and the hunter, under modern conditions, are as like the old-fashioned whalers and hunters as the saloon passengers in an Atlantic greyhound are like the fellow voyagers of Columbus or Drake. End of section 44 Recording by Nancy Cochran Gergen, Gilbert, Arizona.